Hello, everybody, and welcome to This Game Where with me, Ashley, and me, Chris. Hello, everyone. Yeah, you joined me. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Excellent, thanks. Yep, good. I mean, that was stilted, wasn't it? It's almost yeah. like we've fallen I, out. I, I really hate this bit, just the, the back and forth yeah. there. H- how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yes, I'm also good, thank you. Well, that's nice to know. You don't like you don't like asking me how I am. I don't like niceties. That explains a lot. Yeah, get rid of the niceties. Okay. Well, I just think, you know, do people care if we're okay or not? If we're crying on the inside, do people want to know that? Probably not. To be honest, I wouldn't tell people on a podcast if I was crying on the inside. I don't think it's the place. Exactly. So I'm just saying, yeah, I'm fine, actually. Unless the podcast is actually about, you know, issues. Yeah, but the podcast for that. People don't come to this game where no, for our podcast. Issues. No, that's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I, I realised, I, I was clarifying, because what I said was, um, I don't think podcasts are the place for outing my in my innies. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and actually, some podcasts are, pri- are the primary goal of their of their show is to out the innies. And I'm saying hello to those people that are listening to us talk about games. They don't really care about how we feel. They might care about how we feel. We've had nah. some nice messages from people that listen. This is true. And they we do have, seem we they, have had they some seem very like nice genuinely messages. nice people hmm. who you know, might well care about their fellow human beings. So, All right. I've been too... I, I don't want to cast any kind of aspersion on, on our audience, especially given that the only exchanges I've had with listeners have been good ones. You're a cynic. That's Am I being your problem. A, a hector projector? A hector projector? What's yeah. that? When you project your feelings on other people, it's just a little phrase that you say just because it sounds nice. Mm. You don't hear that. you're just being a bastard. Possibly. I think that's a better phrase for it. So it's that hard R at the start, not the not the soft A. Bastard. A bastard. Sounds worse. No, that's the that's the posh way to say it. Oh, ah, okay. Well isn't it? Highfalutin. I have been I've been talking to you off mic about the games that I've been playing. I, I I've been badgering you about getting Axiom Verge. Six years too seven years too late, in fact. It came out in two thousand and fifteen. But I started playing that this week. Have you been playing anything good or I've been playing the first Ori game this week, which has been very oh, pleasant. Yeah. You see, that's interesting. That's I suppose it's game-related, people might. How are you finding it? Yeah, it, it's good. It, it's just reminded me of how good, as is Metroidvania, it's reminded me of how much I enjoyed playing Hollow Knight a few years ago, and that it's maybe not quite as good as Hollow Knight. But I don't think it's trying to be as the same game as Hollow Knight. It just feels different. And that's not a bad thing. That's, that's my cross to bear. Hollow Knight has spoiled Metroidvanias for you forever. I think, is I that think what you're saying? Potentially, yeah. I think that might be a, a valid yeah. point. Yeah. I think generally I'd agree that Hollow Knight, especially I played them almost back to back, those two or three games, Hollow Knight and then the two Ori's. And I mean, I enjoyed every, I enjoyed them all. I enjoyed all three of them, but I think Hollow Knight stands out. But then Hollow Knight stands out um, as a game among all games. Yeah, exactly. And Axiom Verge is just so good. Axiom Verge is a Metroidvania, isn't it? Axiom Verge is a Metroidvania. And how does that Um, compare to Hollow Knight? Well, I think it compares very well. I think it it more so. It is again. It's not trying to be Hollow Knight. I think it's carved its own little space out in the same way that Hollow Knight did. And the world that it's built and the way that it's built it is um, is worth your time. That's what I would say. Okay. Without going too far into it for reasons that might become clear in the future. But it's the the art style is it's definitely I think it I say it's definitely as though I drew it, but 
it seems like it's going for a NAS style, uh, a NAS visual style. Okay. And it it's absolutely nailing that. The other game that I that always comes to mind when you when I'm thinking when I say that about it going for a NES style is Shovel Knight. And Shovel Knight has a very specific way of of trying to tackle that style. Axiom Verge has got its own specific way of trying to tackle that style and it really, really works. I love I love it by the way when games do that. When they take a when they take a page out of retro gaming but then polish it up with all the modern bells and whistles that that we have at our disposal these days. I showed you one of the animations in Axiom Verge. Mm, it did look very nice. Verge, Axiom Verge, the double garage of, uh, <laughs> of gaming. I showed you one of the animations from Axiom Verge, and it was just so well Polished. done, so fluid. Yeah, so many so many frames, I think, gone into it of, of animation. It was, just, it was just great. And, I, and I'm really enjoying the game. Great. It's currently and on. we might end up talking about it a bit more in the future. So. And it's currently on sale on Switch. If people it is. fancy it or weren't aware I feel of like that. A right, I feel like a right bad guy in, in a way because I've held off buying it, buying Axiom Verge for literally seven years. I, I looked at it when it came out and thought, hmm, that's my cup of tea. And then I've waited t- for seven years and bought it at £4.50 something. That's fine. So, yeah, it's fine. I'm playing it now, but I kind of feel like I should have played it a long time ago. Just, just to be kind to myself, you know, because it, it's actually very, very good. Anyway, that's not why we're here. No. What was it today? We're here to talk about a, a completely different game, and it couldn't actually be, I don't think, more different Faxium, to Axiom Verge, this Faxium game. Merge. No, that would be quite similar if, you know, Yeah, true. Uh, this week's game is this game where you pilot a constantly rotating flying contraption through corridors of tight corners and tricky traps. Console, please. Game Boy Advance. Oh, it's a Game Boy Advance joint, is it? Mm, and it's a good one, as always. No, I don't know. I didn't think you would. I think I talked to you about this game. I don't remember if it was on the podcast for some reason or other. And I might have even shown you a little bit of it in action. But it's a game called Kuru Kuru Kururin. No, it doesn't ring any bells. Okay. Well, it's very good. It's a it's sort of a, pu- a puzzly, actiony... I don't know if it's actually a game. It's a puzzle game. And it is exactly what I've just uh, said it is. You are a little pigeony type creature, I think, a, a stylized cartoon bird, and you take on the role of being a pilot for this machine. It's actually called it's called a heli rin, a heli rin. Nice, yeah. Um, and it's a it's it's a it's a big long stick basically that spins around its center, and it goes both ways. So like it, it'll just constantly go say clockwise unless something in the level then sends it going the other way. But it'll go round and round and round in the same direction at varying speeds, depending on things that we'll talk about in a second. And you have to use the timing of the way you move this ship in order to get it round very tight bends and round corners, square corners and things like that. And that's the game. And that's all I've got to say about it. So we should probably play it. That sounds more action than puzzle. I I didn't know. I didn't. I don't know how to. Where, it's definitely a puzzle game. Where's it's the puzzle element puzzle game. come in? Because you're looking at the level and trying to figure out how to do it and where to do things. Yeah, but how to the puzzle is how to 
uh, match the movement of the helicopter thing, the helirin, to the maze that's in front of you. Right, I can't with you now. Yeah, I think the difference is an action, to me, If you, when you say the word action, there's no contemplation necessarily to action. Yeah. It, it's sort of helpful. It's, this is a very broad stroke way of thinking about it, but it's sort of hell for leather, uh, bash your way through or whatever. Whereas in Kuru Kuru Kuru, you, you have to really think about how you're going to navigate your way through that bit or that bit. And they'll, they'll be like, it, you'll see when we play it. So it'll introduce you very slowly to the concepts, the, the, the visual or spatial concepts of the mazes that it it presents you with that, that are your puzzles um and then it'll start to string more of those together and you become more verse you 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 end up becoming well versed in how you need to affect the rotation of your ship mm-hmm. and how quickly and in what directions you need to move your ship to be able to very finely get through these very tight gaps um one after another so it's one of those gradual games then where you start off and it's very gentle and then say half an hour down the line you're doing things that half an hour previously you probably would have had no comprehension as to how to actually achieve that yeah i'd say half an hour might be um a bit pushing it pushing it but yeah that to to some extent like level 50 will feel very different to level yeah yeah which you'd expect but what i'm trying to get across is that there are actual it's the reason it's a puzzle. You've, you asked me a question, and now I'm having to think on my feet. You've asked me. You've said, "Is it actually a puzzle game?" That's that's how I'm uh, interpreting what you said, and I'm saying it is because there are repeated patterns that you have to uh, figure out. You, you figure out once how to navigate those, those that pattern, and then the game will present that pattern in amongst other patterns mm-hmm. in future levels, s- such that you then have to remember how to one navigate that pattern and also then learn how to navigate that pattern in conjunction with this pattern if that makes sense it does so to to give you a more concrete example you might have a square corner that that the that your ship will sort of you'll have to move it into the corner and then as the ship spins you have to move it back out of the corner so that the uh edge of your ship doesn't bash into the wall so that square corner requires you to move in and then out where but then you might have a corridor that is circular like that so you might then have to move your ship as it spins you have to move your ship around that corridor and then when if if you put the two together that requires a very precise set of movements to be able to navigate those and they don't always work in in conjunction with one another so the the square corner might not might make might make other uh spaces a lot harder to navigate okay have i done a good enough job do you think i think so of explaining why that's a puzzle i vaguely understand what's what the crack is yeah i i honestly think you won't understand this until we actually until you actually see it in person Uh, see it in play so the game is, as I say, it's these narrow spaces that you have to navigate with a, a constantly turning, think of it as a propeller that turns relatively slowly. You can, as a player, move that um, propeller in all four or eight directions um, on the D-pad. And 
the com the propeller you can also change the speed in which it spins so you've got on the game boy advance you've got two buttons the a and the b button if you press the a button it will change the speed up slightly if right. you press the b button it will change it ever so slightly more and if you hold down the a and the b button at the same time you get even more speed so Again, not only are you going to have to learn how to move, maneuver through these spaces, but you're also going to have to look, be able to look at, say, the uh, curvature of a of a space and know, well, if I hold down the A button, um, that's going to be just enough speed of, of revolution to get me perfectly around that curvature. Right. Whereas if it's a much narrower curve, if it's a much more acute curve, then you might need a little bit faster spin on your on your propeller which goes back into the puzzle elements so you've got all these things that mm. requires you to be understanding what the game is asking of you in order to get through them yeah yeah i i'd be interested so you have made me question whether it is actually a puzzle game i think it's a puzzle game and i will be asking you in the second half whether you think you agree or not what's it referred to on the websites you've presumably looked at today for your research um, I don't know because I didn't look because I was yeah. so set that it was a puzzle game. So no, I, I looked at I looked at the I didn't ju- I just didn't look at the genre. But don't don't look don't look. No, I'm, I'm don't I'm, try and find out. I'm making a note to myself to to be thinking about that while I'm playing. Put I've put puzzle Brilliant, slash I, action and then question mark and I've circled it. Fab, very good note taking. Thank you. So um, yeah, this is a Game Boy Advance game. It's got that Game Boy Advance feel that Great. I usually talk about. It it feels like it belongs on the Game Boy Advance. We love us a Game Boy Advance game. It's also another one of those games, similar to Denki Blocks, where the visual style will have meant that a lot of people that take themselves much too seriously will not have given this a look in. Because it is very colourful. It's got a very bright primary colour colour palette. Yeah, that makes sense. Good. That's all right. I questioned myself uh, in, in putting it that way. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, and and the characters, I said that it's like this stylized bird, cartoony bird, and it is, and they, they make cheap, cheap noises and stuff, so. That sounds amazing. You know, big boys won't want to play this game. No, not the big boys. Nope. It came out in 2001, so prime Game Boy Advanced territory. It was made by a studio called 8ing, 8ing. The number eight I N G writing. So unusual name. It's stylized in their logo. It's stylized eight. The number eight I N G out loud. It's eighting. Prior to that, they had a different name. I think it was Reazing R I A Z I N G, and they primarily made shmups, shoot 'em ups. Right. That was what they were well known for. Then in the nineties, the late nineties, they started a series called Bloody Raw. Are you aware of Bloody Raw? Nope. It was a, a Games Master joint, as you like to say. Appeared on Games Master a few times. It was a it was a Tekken alike, or it was a fighting game. And its its USP was that every each of the characters was uh, some kind of animal. No, I'd have been completely so, turned off by that fighting game. Unnecessary violence. Nope, not for me. Yeah, fair, fine. What if it was um, a man with the head of a cheetah? What like isn't the character in Tekken like that? I think there is, but this is that is bloody raw. I think it is anyway. No, no and like just, a big lion man and a no, bear. No, no, oh, not at all. Okay, like Street, street yeah. Fighter. I'm kind of. No, I was going to say I'm on, on board with Street Fighter, but I don't even like Street Fighter. But the ones that go really silly, like Mortal Kombat and and Tekken, they just they turn me off even more. 
I'm just not keen on fighting games. They don't fit with my sensibilities. No. Well, I used to think that I liked fighting games. And in the 90s, I would have been all over fighting games. I remember going down the chippy, the chip shop, because the local chip shop, they, they got an arcade machine installed and it was one of those that you could smeared with chip uh, grease for people pouring at it while they were i only remember i don't remember it ever being anything like that i I don't remember most people playing it it was just me and maybe a friend every so often um but it was one way you could cycle through a selection of games one of them was puzzle bubble i remember that very clearly great game very vividly and um another one was i think it was final fight uh one of the final fight games didn't have street fighter um but I, I would alternate between Puzzle Bubble and Final Fight in there. And I remember a, an entire holiday, 1997 it would have been, an entire holiday in Caster-upon-Sea that I spent playing Street Fighter. The problem with these, uh, and uh, Soul Blade. Soul Blade, when I moved to Grimsby, uh, Soul Blade, Grimsby's on the coast by everybody, and in the co- on the coast in uh, the UK at least, we have arcade machine, uh, arcades that are full of game machines. So when I moved here, it was like paradise. One of the re- one of the things that I always gravitated towards was Soul Blade, um, in in the arcade machines here. So fighting games, for me at least, they've always been associated with arcade, arcade settings, and I used to really I used to seek them out. The problem is I n- never got good at them, <laughs> never. Yeah. Um, and that's that's why I don't really like them because I don't I just don't have any any facility for them any any aptitude key question what was your chippy order well i did it, it was a, it, it was can you change this pound for 20 p's please oh you didn't have any i could chip butty with it or anything no no mm. we literally would go we were we were poor right we didn't we didn't have money to throw around on fish and chips and stuff portion of chips and scraps or scrumps scraps it would be scraps yeah as far I'd... as i'm concerned but no it was 20p for 20p for the arcade machine fair enough yeah cool we literally would go in there to, to play the arcade machine it, it, a bit of a diversion i apologize um bloody raw it's a it's a fighting game and and quite a well-known one is what i was trying to get across off the back of that they then started going down this route of making licensed fighting games so they take a, a franchise and they build a a fighting game around that um a few of them being sort of anime related but i won't go into that because i know that you won't be interested oh in amongst these things in amongst bloody raw and these licensed fighting games 2001 li- literally smack dab in the middle they make kura kura Kurin, plus they then make a sequel on the game boy advanced and a sequel on the gamecube so they make three kura kura Kurin, kura 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 in games and then they go back to fighting games for several years then they have a little go at monster hunter 3 ultimate and they make the wii u version the wii u port for that and the 3ds port for that uh monster hunter generations ultimate on the switch and then most recently or at least the thing that you'll be interested in that they've done most recently uh pikmin 3 deluxe port for the switch okay they handled that right so uh, quite a storied history for it is and in amongst those things is is current. Um, so coming back directly to um, coming back to where we're supposed to be uh, for this episode, Kurukurukurin released in two thousand and one, and was a release game, I believe, in at least in Europe for the Game Boy Advance. 
it released in Europe and Japan, it did not have a North American release. Ever? Not until 2016, when it came out on the Wii shop, uh, the Wii U eShop. Well, wow. 15 years later, the people in North America finally got their hands on it. But they were clamoring for it. Well, they should be. And that that's what... That's what I'm here to tell you now. Right. If you do, if you are one of the 17 people that owns a Wii U, then you should be clamoring for Kuro 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 in because it's a fab game. I really enjoyed this. I only have, again, good memories of it. It's one of the standout games that I played in the Game Boy Advance and my track record, at least as I remember it, with that console is that it was, it was a, it was home to ab just absolute bangers every single one of them was fab and this stands head and shoulders in amongst that crowd so and when was the last time you played it i probably played it in the last five years but i don't know exactly when that would have been probably during the pandemic like the first year of the pandemic right sort of whiling away some hours uh dabbling with various different games i, I played it into it probably in about 2001 it would have been 2001 2002 initially and then i've come back to it a few times over over the course of the last 20 years okay uh, just because it, it's really nice it's a really nice game um that's quite I'll nice someone else as well quite nice that you keep coming back to it then because oftentimes mm. i certainly even games i really, really like i'll play it a lot and then just leave it and probably never ever come back to it or at least a long time afterwards whereas if it's a game you regularly have revisited over the last dec- uh, two decades in fact then that's obviously shows some quality there yeah i don't want to over egg that no that's fair um, but uh, but it's definitely one that you know it when we started this podcast it was one of the first games to go on my list of games that i'd like to talk about so you know we've got to is it episode 96 today um without talking about it and that's i mean it's surprising to me i suppose but i've i've kind of one of the reasons is to try and spread out my game boy advance games because this whole this whole series could be just me gushing about game boy advance games so i try and give it give it a few weeks between them um but yeah it's been in it's been on my mind for the for the podcast for a while Hmm. it had a multiplayer okay uh it had a multiplayer setting which i never used it because i didn't have enough friends but um it allowed four people up to four people to play with one cartridge how does that work taking turns no idea i don't know i didn't I didn't look into it. I just know it. Cool. No, not take it in turns. No. <laughs> no. I mean, every, every game's multiplayer in that respect. Yeah, exactly. It? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was some kind of magic. I don't know. I've got one more thing to tell you. One of the reasons. So I, I've just sort of split split ideas. My brain's all over the place today. I hope that's not coming across too, too uh, much in this episode. But I've just split ideas because I started saying about how I was talking, uh, how I've wanted to talk about this game for a while basically the whole time the podcast has been running and then i slipped in a bit of uh, a little fact about it having multiplayer and now i want to return to that original idea um because one of the reasons that i haven't talked about it is is that it's quite an unstoried game in so much as uh, to be quite frank there's not that much to say about it right it, it's, um, it's a except game for the fact that it's it's a game i've never heard of i mean mm. not, not that counts for much but you know what i mean it doesn't feel like it's something that's in the ether you know what i mean it's certainly not it's had those two sequels and then dropped off a cliff those those two sequels were um they were japan only as well so i don't know what happened to it in terms and i haven't been able to find out because it you know part of our 
part of our job, if you like, with this podcast is to try and ferret out some of the interesting stuff that's happened around the game as well as why the game's good. And this this one just doesn't seem to have any gossip, you know. There's no there's not a, a great deal going on around it. And that is I mean, in terms of talking about it, that is potentially a problem. What I and therefore that's one of the reasons that it's taken us so long to get to it. Fair. But but I genuinely think that this game will shine bright enough that it won't matter. It's kind of like the quiet kid in the corner of the classroom who, you know, doesn't doesn't make a great show of themselves, but beavers away fastidiously and actually produces very well all of the time and, and is actually a shining star, just very quiet about it. I, that's the way I kind of think about this game. That's that's a lovely analogy. And I think that seems like a, a great place to jump into it and see if uh, that lives up. Yep. Yeah, all right. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Nope, it's Kurukurukurin, which I mispronounced. I don't know if you've mispronounced it. I just like the mini roll on your R's. Yeah, mini roll. Guru, guru. You were doing your best. I don't know if it's right or wrong. I really, I'm not one to judge. At least I tried. That's the main thing. Exactly. That's exactly it. Before we we launch into our deep dive of the game, can you tell upon the amazing facts? Deep dive? Yep, deep dive. Are we deep diving? Oh, God. No, soft touch. Can you tell everyone your amazing fact that you told me off mic? It's not an amazing fact. It is it's amazing. Just I didn't. I didn't get into the first half. Uh, kuru is like onomatopoeic in Japan, as I understand it, and it's the sound of helicopter blades going round. Yeah, I suppose. Have you ever seen helicopters take off? Yeah, I've seen one take off. We've also. I mean, have you been there when one's taken off? Yeah. Okay. We've been to air shows and things. Uh, when I was in primary school, one landed on our field during a ah. summer fete. And I remember how powerful the, the wind is as it comes off it. When I was teaching, one of the kids in the school broke their shoulder. Not their uh. shoulder blade. Their, what's this bit? The clavicle. They broke their clavicle while they were playing rugby. And we watched them get helicoptered off the off the field. Well, they're hanging off the bottom of the helicopter, like in The Simpsons. Yeah, and it just they just started going on the bottom of it on the uh, on the stretcher. Have you seen the video of that old lady? Yeah, have you seen the stretcher of the? Have you seen the video of the old lady that's being uh, helicoptered off the side of a mountain? No, that's hilarious. Well, the wind catches her and she starts going as fast as the uh, (laughs) blades of the helicopter. She's going really, really fast, just round and round and round. I'll have to send it to you. Great. Like I don't it... know if that's what we're supposed to be talking about, but it, I mean, it's it's thematic. It's helicopter related. I know. I, the other one is I we we were uh, buzzed by a pair of Chinook helicopters, which are the ones with the double rotors, mm-hmm. when we were walking in um, the Lake District. They were doing low, low flying maneuvers, and we were in this valley. Well, I suppose it was a valley. We were walking along this valley, and they came 
tearing down this valley above us. It's scary. It's weird. Not scary, a bit awe-inspiring in a way. Do you think it was a war? I think you like Kurokurokurin? I like it to a point. <laughs> you mean you like it if you're allowed to play on easy? Yeah, so I was absolutely buzzing through this game and Ashley called me some sort of Kurokurokurin savant uh, because I was nearly at the end of the game and he was languishing in the starting blocks almost. And it turned out with a bit of probing, soft probing from Ashley, as it were, that because I was playing the game <laughs> on easy mode, that meant that the character I was playing as, the rotors of this helicopter thing were significantly smaller than in normal mode. And uh, what are the, what was the other uh, allowance made because I was playing easy mode? Was it just no? That, that was that was it. It's yeah. The the propellers, the ship is half the size, so it's it's fifty percent smaller. Yeah. So just to check if I was actually good at the game or not, I dipped into normal mode for comparison and uh, was unable to complete a single level. So uh, the game is brilliant in easy mode uh, for me, uh, not so much in normal mode. You didn't really give it a chance. I did. I tried it a lot and then then I had to go for an angry week because I got cross. Mm. You... You set yourself up really, didn't you? In so much as you started, you start, you gave yourself a, you gave yourself an easy time, and then as soon as you were tasked with a slightly harder challenge, that meant that you couldn't hack it because you'd you'd given you you'd made yourself used to the easiness. Potentially, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, I I wouldn't I take I take what Chris is saying with a pinch of salt because he he said that the game's unplayable and the uh, <laughs> un. <laughs> on normal mode he said it's unplayable uh, what, the, what a the counter stupid to that, thing to say well exactly the counter to that was that I'd been playing it the whole time he'd been playing on normal mode I'd been playing sorry the, the whole time he'd been playing on easy mode I'd been playing on normal mode so demonstrably um, therefore and, and not unplayable <laughs> exactly yeah I don't think I actually ever did the game on easy mode but I can imagine that I mean, I honestly, if the ship is half the size, I'm not sure where the challenge would be. But, uh, it was still quite challenging, but maybe I'm just not so good okay. at the game. At, at times, yeah, anyway, it was. Well, you, you, you're going to have to cut yourself some slack. You have to learn games. I We shouldn't have to have such a rudimentary conversation about game playing, but you have to learn a game in order to, to become adept at a game. So... If you've if you've just jumped into this and the first thing you've done is play several levels in to the to the regular mode of it, then you're expecting too much of yourself, really, aren't you? Yeah. You have to start slow and work up. Uh, just for clarity, as well, from from the first half, um, the game is top down. From when Ashley described it, I thought it was some sort of side-scrolling 2d type thing where yeah, it is 2d that. and it, it's a, a top-down thing so you're controlling this helicopter from above that's navigating through and, and you're looking down on the path as it's navigating through and the sides of this path are what if the blades the rotor blades touch it that's what loses your health so just in case that wasn't made uh clear uh and th- we had that question about puzzle or action i think it's puzzle yeah i think it's puzzle I think it's puzzle, puzzle a- action puzzle game because that's what yeah. I was on the edge of saying. I I was on the edge of saying action puzzle, and I kind of doubted myself and just went for puzzle. So it's 
But then it's not action-y, is it? No. It's just that it's active. It's, an, it's a real-time, puzzly thing. And those those bits were the, the bits I got the most enjoyment from, the bits where going through a level, and suddenly, with the angle of the rotors, as they're going around and think, look at the path ahead, that I suddenly have that split second, I can do this at this exact moment, and then quickly going through. Those moments were so fun. Like, just the, the just rush you got from in. that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the nip and tuck of the of the thing. That's yeah. what I enjoy as well. I, and one of the things that I... Because I got stuck on Cakeland 3 um, for a, a good long while. And the reason for that was I was starting to get the, get back to grips with the, the game. So I was going through it fast, trying to, trying to get somewhere close to the re- records that are, are sort of built into the game. Um, Chasing that sweet, sweet speed run. Yeah, exactly. I just kept exploding myself all all over the walls. Grim. Yeah, I didn't mean it like that. Um, But it's genuinely challenging, and that contrasts quite sharply. Similar to Denki Blocks and similar to other games that we'll probably talk about in the future on the Game Boy Advance in particular, but it contrasts sharply with the aesthetics the aesthetics make it look like some kind of preschool um, story time, storybook game, you yeah. know. But it's not. It's uh, it's a real challenge. It's That's a real... Some solid gameplay. Hmm, exactly. So uh, I don't understand. The thing is, I I was going to say I don't understand why they would choose. The same with Thank You Blocks. I don't know. I don't really understand why they chose the aesthetic. But... That isn't what I think the problem is. I think the problem is with the general population who are intent on being adults. I feel like you, the same people that would sneer at this game at uh, uh, Kurukurin because of the way it looks are the same people that would insist that their um, their adulthood is dependent on them only watching eighteen films. I think we've talked talk yeah, we about have. these people before. Yeah. Um, it just seems silly to me you could mask it as a serious game you could have it an actual helicopter instead but then you'd have to change because the world's you mentioned cake land the worlds are very fantastical and lots of the things that happen is is very fantasy-esque you have to change all that and then i think it would lose what makes it special what makes it unique you could absolutely reskin this in a with, with something completely adult in the sense that it could be some kind of very machine based sci-fi uh with this everything everything could be you could do it steampunky or you could do it um sort of chrome yeah that sort of thing um so you could do it it'd be very easy uh there'd be red flashy lasery lights Mm. everywhere and um it would be exactly the same game i just don't see why that's necessary yeah you should People shouldn't be so closed to uh, to to experiences. They shouldn't. It's just ridiculous to me. Yeah, agreed. I know. I know that I'm a minority when when it comes to thinking that way, and that I, you know, people should maybe not judge, prejudge things. But you know, that's just me. And and frankly, they're missing out. Hmm. Uh, shall we do our? Oh, I'm a big boy. I can't. I can't play that. It uses primary colours. <laughs> Ridiculous. Shall we do our, our traditional this game where uh, bingo after playing a Game Boy Advance game? Oh, the the art style's lovely. Oh, the the music's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. 
Any what what other ones are there? Um, it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, there's there's lots of gameplay on offer. Yeah. I, I'm saying that's it's sli- ridiculous, isn't it? I'm saying that's slightly tongue in cheek, but all of those things are true, and it is staggering all those that, that, those, that those things come up time and time again with Game Boy Advance. They do, they do. The, the Game Boy Advance, I, I'll, I keep saying it. The Game Boy Advance is a powerhouse machine. If you haven't had one, or if you, I mean, if you haven't had one, you've never, you've never experienced, never had the chance to explore one. Then you maybe should have a look at getting hold of one if you've got the means, um, because. Just like I said in the first half, banger after banger, brilliant games on there. Yeah, just they're going to keep coming as well. I was looking through; I I couldn't decide what game to do this this week, and I was looking through my list of of games that I've I've got that I want to cover. I could have chosen fifty from fifty Game Boy Advance games. I could have chosen from fifty, and it still would have been. A brilliant game so it's it's the best console i think i've owned mm, fighting talk well oh, no I, i've said that and, and i'm gonna backtrack a little bit it's the most consistently good is that that's a that's a far less hyperbolic way yeah. of saying what i wanted to get across it's the most consistently good it's the one that delivered more it's the one that delivered least disappointment (laughs) is another way to say it because you know like i i love the wii as a console i really enjoyed the super nintendo what else stands out the switch i mean the switch stands out but all of those consoles i can think as much as i can think of all the great games that i've played on them there are some stinkers. Some real, real shit stinkers. Yeah, some really bad games that I had, that I owned, that I played quite a lot, that I didn't even enjoy at the time. Um, And I can't, off the top of my head, I can't think of those on the Game Boy Advance. I'm sure they exist, but I just had a, a real hot streak of playing the best games. But it wasn't hard to find them. Also it so just much... felt very hard to yeah. fall. It just felt very hard to trip up into an act like into a bad game whereas on other consoles it's a lot easier and this is this is one of the brilliant ones it, i was talking to you when it opened up about the visual style so the art the art style and how the way the artists tended to draw it seems on the on the game boy advance the, the use of light and shade to create a sense yeah, of like depth rasterized yeah that it it kind of ties i think that's one of the things that ties together a lot of disparate games because there was a certain aesthetic that they ended up reaching um that that multiple artists across multiple games all uh, ended up in the same sort of place representing their characters drawing their characters in ways that that then made quite disparate games feel like they were tied together and where and and that's kind of what i'm talking about when i when i say the Game Boy Advance has a certain feel. Um, I think, I think a similar thing happened on the NES, and I think a similar thing happened on the Mega Drive. They they feel like they've got very distinctive characters when it comes to the visuals, and the Game Boy Advance did the same thing. I just don't necessarily think that it would get the. I I certainly don't hear people or see people talking about 
the distinctive visual style of Game Boy Advance games in the way that you might with the NES or, or the Mega Drive. Yeah. You know, there, there's nobody's making retro style Game Boy Advance homages. We were talking in the first half about Axiom Verge, which is that for the NES. And there's the Messenger, which is that for the Mega Drive. Um, or Owl Boy. You don't get that. So, Owl or, or exactly, yeah, Owl Boy, things like that. You don't really get that happening with the with the Game Boy Advance. And it's a shame because it has its own style. That's my rant over, sorry. Uh, look at my notes. I have nothing else to say about the game. Like we've talked like we talked about the art style, you know, I mean there's different modes, but I don't really think it know if that's anything particularly worth mm. you know, there's different modes of the game, that's that. Um I've not I've not got anything else to talk to talk about. Have no. you? Okay, I'm gonna tack on another bit okay. to that yeah. bit then. Um similarly, you, you were flippant about the, the music. The music actually here is probably some of the best music that I the the best game the music here is is actually is probably one of the best game soundtracks that I've heard on the Game Boy Advance and listening to it while I was playing it today made me realize things about it so depth that there was depth to it that I didn't pick up on playing it 20 years ago for reason for for quite clear reasons I'm wearing better headphones than were in than than the speakers that were in game the Game Boy Advance so it's used to stereo uh, is that right yeah, so that was one of the things that it, it has stereo sound, and the way that the channels are split up, it sounds it just sounds really good. There was the there's the melody split over left and right, and then there's other layers going on, and the other layers are actually quite interesting and cool, and they're the things that are making the they they are the parts of the song that are making them catchy because the music in this game is is really catchy. I had a little look on SoundCloud while you were finishing up your run and people seem to agree on that because you can find cave uh, the cave oh, okay. levels you can find the music for that very easily the, cave the music. main theme for Kura 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 in as well. The cave music quickly. is is really really good. I'd recommend giving that a, a find. It's still in my head. It's still going round. <laughs> the, the cave music is good. It is good. One of the things that was leveled against it in one of the reviews that I looked at, it was CVG Computer and Video Games Magazine or whatever it is. Remember that one? Yeah, I used to get um, that. They gave that was one that I won that competition. Yeah, or one of the many. One of them, yeah. They well, here here's the here's the kicker on that one. They gave it a five out of ten. They did everywhere. Uh, you know, by and large, it was rated quite well, eight eights to nines. Uh, most places and they gave it a five out of ten and the thing that they the criticism that they leveled at it was that it, as a puzzle game as a puzzle game mm-hmm. it wasn't um it wasn't straightforward enough it wasn't uh streamlined enough like tetris so and that was that was really the the main criticism they Wait, had of it it, it was just it deigns to have depth yeah 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 it, outrageous it didn't, it didn't do one thing well, but I'd argue that actually it does do, it does do one thing well. It, it requires you to, um, it it requires you to judge space from the get go mm-hmm. right to the very end. You know, the, the spatial awareness that is required. I said at one point, you you absolutely have to keep your eyes on both ends of your spaceship, your Hellerin, at all times. Because as soon as you let as soon as you let up on one end, you're gonna bash it into a wall. And it it was happening consistently. So 
Yeah, I don't agree with the the review. I don't agree with that review at all. I I don't understand where they were coming from with it. Last fact then, Ashley Rin about the name. I, I, I picked up on lots of the characters having Rin as part of their name. Um, so I looked into why mm. that was, and it's the Japanese suffix for friend or companion. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah, I think so, so as well. So the game is Kuru, 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 friend. So it's helicopter sound, helicopter sound, helicopter sound, friend. I mean, it could be helicopter friend if you, if yeah. you don't take it literally. Could be. Mm. So, yeah, everything's nice. Everything about it is nice. We've obviously been playing on the Game Boy Advance tonight. Is this game available well, obviously you said it's available came on the Wii U, but I'm guessing that's not readily available anymore. Well, it's not readily available. I was only talking yes to someone yesterday about the Wii U and the fact that the consoles never really they've never really come down in price and I think they're only gonna start going up even steeper as um as collectors get hold of them because the the pool of consoles will shrink. Mm. Pool of available consoles will shrink. So yeah, you don't really have any options, I'm afraid. There was a there was a sequel in Japan on the Game Boy Advance. The Game Boy Advance was special, I suppose, in that it wasn't region locked, and that isn't usual. That is yeah, that is unusual situation for for Nintendo. But you could in you could uh, import Japanese games, and that would they would work on hmm. your European Game Boy Advance, and that's what a lot of people did with this because the menus weren't very difficult to navigate so people would would bring kurakurakura into in to the country from japan lovely there was also a sequel on the gamecube and that had like 3d visuals but for all intents and purposes was the same top down view cool um so there are two other options but but still japanese language just all still relatively difficult to get hold of them all, all still relatively difficult to get hold Alas. of. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a mighty shame because I can see this being a real, it, it refined, a refined version of this popping up on the Switch. I think would do numbers. I think it would really yeah. go through the roof. It's perfect, really, in terms of it being on the Game Boy Advance. I think that's the perfect place for it to be, or, or, or to refine that comment. Handheld is where this belongs. It's the perfect handheld game. Yeah, I'm not sure personally how a 3D version would would fare or work whether it would be quite as simplistic or not i think it just comes down to how it looks and i think if it if it's done in the right way it would look nice because you you could do this game with line drawings Mm. and it would be the same game as if you did a like a fully 3d top-down thing so as long as it plays the same it doesn't really matter what you do you could cell shade it you could have rounded edges you could have i don't know watercolors i don't know you do whatever you like to it and it it doesn't matter as long as you've got the core core of the gameplay yeah great well well, thank you for bringing that tonight ashley it was a good fun good clean fun i'm glad you enjoyed it yes i told you on easy mode the thing is i don't know how how many people are going to listen to this episode uh, if you are listening to this episode, do come and say hello because you are the you are the hardcore, it, especially you, listening to the only, end as well on a, on a deep yeah, cut game. Exactly, you've you've clicked on Kuro 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 in as an episode you want to listen to, and then you've listened to us for the whole the whole thing. Yeah, well done. You a- are achievements unlocked. Yeah, you can call yourself a fan. Yeah, and uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you haven't already, please remember to come join us on all the social meds and do all the usual podcast uh, stuff, liking, 
sharing, subscribing, etc. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Sayonara.